Savior. Amen. When I was a young boy, I enjoyed going down to the spring that was on our property. It was a huge spring, still is, and it always uh, had a kind of a a kind of a, a welling up about it. You could see it boiling up from the ground. And as I have studied this passage, I thought of that spring. What a good reminder that the living water wells up in us and impacts everything we do and everybody we meet. So, uh, this is what I'm aiming at here, what I hope to get across to you, that since Christ gives living water, our thirst is forever quenched. I repeat that, since Christ gives living water, our thirst is forever quenched. I would like to give you my testimony right now. It is not a lengthy testimony, but just a few words. I just want to say to you that when, when Jesus Christ became real to me, he took away my fear of the future. He took away my discouragement. Oh yes, I have my bad days, still do, but there is absolutely no question about where I'm headed. There is nothing that can happen to me that will take away that hope. Nothing at all. I just wanted to, to give that word to you, and we just sang a hymn um, that I want to read stanzas three. My sin, oh the bliss, the bliss of this glorious thought, my sin, not in part, but the whole, is nailed to the cross, and I bear it no more. Praise the Lord, praise the Lord, O oh my soul. And then in this last stanza, the trump shall resound, and the Lord shall descend, even so it is well with my soul. And, and then we sang the chorus, it is well with my soul, and we reaffirmed that refrain a number of times. So I want to say to you that nothing will separate me from that hope. Nothing. Absolutely nothing. There is, there, no day comes when I wake up doubting my future. And the reason for that is Living water has come to me, and I believe to most of you too. And that is the Holy Spirit. And what the Holy Spirit does is he wells up in you and me in such a way that it impacts everything we do. Everything. It even impacts people we meet and people we associate with. Now, we may not be the perfect witness. None of us are. But we have that privilege of demonstrating that welling up of the joy of eternal life and the 
confidence in. So that's my testimony. Now, let's go to the text, <laughs> chapter 7, uh, chapter 4 of John. This is a long text, and I'm not going to read it right now. I'm going to read it as I go through it because our time is limited, and I realize that. So I'm just going to assume that you, are, you have your scriptures open and that you are going to follow me and be alert while I go through this because I'm going to move quickly. The first thing is we want to see in verses 1 through 8 the circumstances of Jesus meeting this woman. And I read, Now when Jesus learned that the Pharisees had heard that Jesus was making and baptizing more disciples than John, although Jesus himself did not baptize but only his disciples, he left Judea and departed again for Galilee. All right, so he had been in the south near Jerusalem, and he left in order to go to Galilee. Verse 4, and he had to pass through Samaria. Now, he didn't have to because of geography. He had to because of his mission. He knew what he was going to do in a town or near a town called Sychar. We're not talking about a regular human being. We're talking about a, a human being who was without sin, without sin and with a full mission that he was going to accomplish. It is exciting. It is fun. It is enjoyable to see how he does this. So he had to pass through Samaria because of his mission. So he came to a town of Samaria called Sychar, or Sychar, near the field that Jacob had given to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there. Now, Jacob is an important name to remember here. The well is important. So Jesus, wearied, wearied as he was from his journey, was sitting beside the well. It was about the sixth hour. That's noon. There came a woman, verse 7, of Samaria to draw water. Jesus said to her, give me a drink. His disciples had gone, in, gone away into the city to buy food, so they were not there. The Samaritan woman said to him, How is it? How is it that you, a Jew, ask for a drink from me, a woman of Samaria? What he did in asking for a drink would never have been done by a regular Jew who was traveling through Samaria. Not to a woman anyway, but particularly not to a Samaritan woman. The Jews have nothing to do with the Samaritans and vice versa. That's what she said. For Jews have no dealings with Samaritans. So she comes right out and says, you are doing something scandalous here by asking me for water. Then verse 10. Jesus answered her. Now, I want you to recognize four things that he says in this one sentence, two sentences. If you knew the gift of God, that's the first thing. 
And who it is that is saying to you, give me a drink? That's the second thing, the who it is. You would have asked him, that's the first, third thing, and the fourth thing, he would have given you living water. Now, we already know that this woman is very smart. She is alert. She is on top of things. And Jesus said four things there that she would have remembered. You might not remember it because I'm preaching this sermon, but I can tell you she remembered what he said. And it comes out later on, the, the evidence comes out later on that she knew that he said something about the gift of God and who it is that was asking for a drink. And you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. This is a profound revolutionary statement. The woman in verse 11 says to him, Sir, you have nothing to draw water with, and the well is deep. Where do you get that living? Where do you get that living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob? Remember how important the word Jacob was back in the earlier verse? Are you greater than our father Jacob? She is beginning to realize that that is what he is claiming. Are you greater than our father Jacob? He gave us the well and drank from it himself as did his sons and livestock. Jesus said to her, everyone who drinks the water, this water that is the water of the well, will be thirsty again. It's just like, you know, it is with us. We always get thirsty even after we drink water. We, we, will, we will presently be thirsty again. But, he says, whoever drinks of the water I will give him will never be thirsty forever. The water that I give him will become in him a spring of water welling up to eternal life. A spring of water welling up to eternal life. I remind you of the, of the spring on our farm in South Carolina. It was a beautiful spring at the time. Right now it's kind of covered over by erosion and so forth, but the same amount of water still coming out. It's not a beautiful place anymore, but it was when I was a kid. And I would go and I would sit and I would watch it boiling up out of the ground. Dry weather, wet weather, always the same. Was not a wet weather spring. It was a it was an amazing spring. Always welling up. And that's what Jesus said about the water that he is able to give to this woman. It will well up as a spring of water to eternal life. The woman, the woman says to him, this is verse 15, Sir, give me this water so that I will not be thirsty or have to come here to draw water. Now, there are some things about her. She, she, she knows what's going on, although she doesn't have the full revelation yet, but she knows that something special is going on, but she is also preoccupied with the, with the regular things of life. Yeah, I would like to not have to come here to draw water, water in the middle of the day. By the way, 
Why is she in the middle of the day drawing water? No one else would be there in the middle of the day unless it's wintertime. It's hot. It's hot. The women of the community of Sychar are not going to come in the middle of the day. They're going to come in the morning. They're going to come in the evening. Why would she not go? Why? Why would she be there in the middle of the day? Because of her shame. She does not want to be stared at by the other women of the community because they know that she is living immorally with a man that is not her husband. So, Jesus said to her, in effect, okay, go, call your husband, and come back. The woman answered, I have no husband. She's truthful. Jesus said to her, this is verse 17, you're right in saying I have no husband. For the for you have had five husbands, and the one you now have is not your husband. What you have said is true. <coughs> I just love the way he did that, simply because he made it possible for her to understand that he understands that she is living in sin, but he does not condemn her, he commends her. What you have said is true. The woman said to him, Sir, I perceive that you are a prophet. Well, obviously. So, you know, remember those four things? If you know the gift of God, and who it is that was asking you for a drink, you would have asked him, and number four, he would have given you living water. All of that is in her mind. All of that is right there in her mind. She says, I perceive that you are a prophet. Yes, she's right. And then she has a religious question to ask. And so this is, this is not so much a, a, um, an effort to squirm out of a ticklish situation, but she has a legitimate religious question. Our fathers worshiped on this mountain, but you say that in Jerusalem, that you say that in Jerusalem is the place for people where people ought to worship. Jesus said to her, woman, believe me, the hour is coming when neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem will you worship the Father. You worship what you do not know. Now she needed to know that. She needed to know that in this prophet's opinion, she is worshiping in ignorance. The next thing she needs to know is, we worship what we know, for salvation is from the Jews. She needed to know that. But the hour is coming, and now is here, when true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth, for the Father is seeking such people to worship him. You know what? He's there in that community seeking her to worship him. Mm -hmm. He is, and you know the rest of the story, because 
the men of the town come out to see him and ask him to stay there for two days and he does and a lot of people become believers from that Samaritan town. Verse 24, God is spirit and those who worship him must worship him in spirit and truth. That is the third thing she needed to know. It's not, the, the thing that is relevant is not whether it's Jerusalem or Samaria, the thing that is rele relevant is we must worship him in spirit and truth because God is spirit. The Shorter Catechism says, what is God? God is a spirit, infinite, eternal, and unchangeable in his being, wisdom, power, holiness, justice, goodness, and truth. She didn't know the catechism, <laughs> but she heard the truth. God is a spirit. The Samaritans had degenerated into a modified form of idolatry, and she needed to hear that. The woman said to him, I know, this is verse 25, I know the Messiah is coming. He who is called the Christ. When he comes, he will tell us all things. Jesus said to her, I who speak to you, I who speak to you am he. Now the Greek is this way. I am he who speaks. I am he who speaks. This is one of those famous I am passages. It's generally overlooked by the commentators. I am he who speaks to you. That must have resonated with her big time because she, being a Samaritan, understood that the five books of Moses were God's word. The Samaritans didn't have all that they needed, but they knew the five books of, was it God who said to Moses, I am who I am. Tell them that I am has sent you. And Jesus says to this woman, I am he who speaks. To you. Verse 27. Now this is my sermon next week, so I'm not going to read all this. But just then his disciples came back, and they marveled that he was talking with a woman. But no one said, what do you seek, or why are you talking with her? So look at 28. So the woman left her water jar. Now, that's significant. She came there for water. But she's excited about all of this, and she leaves her water jar, and she dashes back into town to say to the people, come and see a man who told me all that I ever did. Can this be the Christ? They went out of the town and were coming to him. Um, 
You know, we don't know from the passage that she ended up as a believer, but it looks to me like she would have. Um, she did witness to the man who was at the well by telling the truth. She openly confessed to the people of the town, come and see a man who told me everything I ever did. And the Samaritans did realize ultimately that they were talking to the living word who gives living water. Not because of what she said, but because of what he said to them. He was with them for two days. And they say at the end of verse 42, take a look at that. Verse 42. They said to the woman, it is no longer because of what you said that we believe, for we have heard for ourselves, and we know that this indeed is the Savior of the world. How about that? So, I would like to say that she probably was the most effective evangelist the world has ever seen. She took off from the well and said, come and see the man at the well. How about you? Is that what you do? Uh, no. Do you go to the man at the well no. frequently, mm -hmm. daily? There are some takeaways here that we can talk about. Her barriers to faith are the same barriers that we have. She had religious barriers to faith and our trans humanity is constantly pushing us toward works as the basis for our salvation. Even though we know grace and we are a con con congregation that professes grace, that is what our humanity is trying to do. Our sinful humanity is trying to convince us that it's all dependent upon our performance. She also had the superficial barriers, thinking about physical water as an example here. But we have superficial barriers also. Ours are materials and health and comfort and security. She also had moral barrier to her belief, but Jesus overcame that. And ours is the same. Ours is related to any persistent violation of the commandments. Her beginnings of faith are the same as ours too. Just as she did, we have far to go, all of us. We need to recognize that. This was the beginning of the gospel in her life. And assuming that she turned out to be a convinced believer, and it looks like she was the way she behaved at the end by confessing her sins to her community, uh, people, and saying, he told me everything I have ever done. And could this be the Messiah that we've been waiting for? You know what? Whenever we drink of the living water, our thirst is forever quenched. And since Christ gives us living water, we can be sure that he always quenches our thirst.
Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this opportunity to worship you with John chapter 4, a wonderful passage of scripture that teaches us much about our Savior. We praise you for his compassion and his wisdom in dealing with this particular woman so skillfully affirming her while not condemning her, but at the same time revealing to her that God knows her sin. Oh Lord, how wonderful a passage like this that is left for us to study. How wonderful is your grace to us. You have quenched our thirst, and we praise you in Jesus' name and for his sake. All right, um, Judy is going to uh, lead us in this song. You, you'll find it. Uh,